friends just like the ones I used to know. Okay, take it away. I don't know the rest of the logs or the lyrics. Hello, everybody. I hope you enjoyed my dad's singing right there. Um, It's Badgerland Journal, Stories of Wisconsin. Welcome back. And it's Christmas edition. It's the Christmas edition. So we're going to be kind of all over the place because I did my one Christmas story last year. If you haven't checked out the Christmas tree ship, you should go do that. Dad also makes a guest appearance, but he doesn't talk very much. But this year we have defective candy canes. Yes, you so do. We didn't have these last year. Oh, so now you're going to talk. He'll probably just say random stuff because that's what my father does. But I'm just going to be talking about a few things that I found on uh, Christmas. So, to begin with, some of the first people to celebrate Christmas in Wisconsin were the French and British uh, fur traders who were in Wisconsin, they were trading with the different Native Americans. These were not very devout Christians. So anyways, these fur traders are in the woods and it's not like they have a church with a congregation or anything. So one of them is uh, recorded saying that they attempted to keep Sunday. So, you know, keep the Sabbath. You know, all of that. But he said, yeah, I'm not sure it was ever the right day. I think they were just picking a random day. and You took a day off every once in a while. Yeah. Um, but there were some people who still attempted Christmas traditions. And so there's a man, Thomas Gummersall Anderson, who was a British trader. And he recorded, he had like a diary or whatever. So he recorded two Christmas feasts that he attempted that uh, did not go well. But the first one was in 1803. Happened in southeastern Wisconsin. So 1803, 45 years before Wisconsin becomes a state. Yeah. And only 20 years after the revolution. I can't imagine there was a whole lot in Wisconsin at that time. No, especially from like what he references, like where they were getting food, they were getting them from the Native Americans. It's not like there were any stores. If there were trading posts, it seemed like there was very few. But he, his feast consisted of a stuffed raccoon. Now, Dad, you are a hunter and have eaten many a wild things. Have you ever eaten a raccoon? I have had raccoon, yes. Is it, is it good? Tastes like bear. Raccoons and bears are actually the same family. Okay. Very similar. So you would, would a stuffed raccoon make a good Christmas feast? <laughs> Guess it depends on what else you've been eating lately. So, Anderson invited all of his friends, and so he got the biggest raccoon he could find from the Native Americans, and he said it weighed about 32 pounds. 32 pounds of pretty big trash panda. <laughs> um, and he stuffed it with venison. Um, he used, actually, I think it was like spiced pepper, like salt and pepper. Um, but onions, and he included cedar to make a little spice in there, stuffed this raccoon, and then he decided he should place the raccoon by the fire, because he didn't want the raccoon to, like, freeze overnight while he was, you know, sleeping. And, uh, he woke up the next morning to find the raccoon was, like, putrid and stinking. (laughs) Maybe it was a little too close to the fire. Yeah. I'm thinking. Well, that's kind of what I was wondering is I'm going, uh, 
Although, like, usually you don't want to leave meat out overnight to begin with. Like, maybe it would have been better outside in the cold. But what do I know? So, I'm sure there was many a Christmases in between this, but the second Christmas that did not go in Anderson's favor happened in 1811. So, like, seven years later. Eight years later? Is eight years. Maybe it was a dog. It was just measuring it in dog years. So just two next to each other? Yeah. yeah. Oh, I'm thinking not, but... So the second Christmas was in 1811. He was trading with the Sioux near the Mississippi River. So this is like western part of the state by like Minnesota, where the border between Minnesota and Wisconsin. Again, as Dad had mentioned, this these aren't states yet. These are like territories. He has run out at this point of kind of the food. So he was, the, He said he was snacking on muskrat. Now, Dad, have you eaten muskrat? I have not had muskrat. I can't imagine it has a lot of meat on it. Well, again, I guess it depends on what else you've been eating. <laughs> so they'd run out of their wild fowl, um, waterfowl probably, and the natives who usually provided them with venison, so I'm assuming some trading's going on, they were a little while away. So he decided, like, we've been eating this muskrat. We'll make a muskrat pie. How's that sound to you, Dad? Would you want a muskrat pie? I do like pie. <laughs> so he, and he, he has a servant at this point, which I didn't know settlers had servants. So he had hired help. They were making the crust. And then they set it out to be cooked. And when it was taken off of the fire, apparently it smelled disgusting. <laughs> like, apparently he ran out of the, like, cabin for fresh air. And then after that, he didn't really want muskrat pie after that. I can't imagine why. Hmm. So, we had those two experiences from Anderson, the early British settler. But then there were also Christmases in Green Bay. So as some of you may know, or some of you may not know, the Bay of Green Bay is actually where like the first explorers came through to Wisconsin with Jean Nicolet. Into the Bay, right? Yes. And so there has been like a settlement in Green Bay, probably the longest of anywhere else in the state because of this. So. In 1820, so this is only like 10 years after you have the settler in the middle of the woods not really having anyone around, Green Bay was kind of starting to be built up. Like nowhere near today, but you probably had people actually around. But you also had Fort Howard, which don't, we are not talking about the paper mill. Um, This was an actual like U.S. garrison force was held in this fort. Um... And there's a little bit of tensions actually between the fort and the people around it because the traders who lived in Green Bay oftentimes were kind of of mixed race. It's between the French and British fur traders would marry Native American women and you'd have mixed race. And so there was actually some prejudice between the soldiers and the people living around the fort. But... In the Christmas spirit of everything, in 1824, Colonel McNeil, who was the head of the force at Fort Howard, decided he wanted to put on a celebration for all of the Green Bay citizens. And so you had hundreds of guests arrive at the fort, 
And some were dressed like in their finest clothes. They got all dressed up. But then it wasn't just for the rich and fancy. You had people that came in like their fur trader clothing. You know, they had petticoats and they're like, well, um, free food. <laughs> I mean, that's my logic. If someone's going to offer to feed me, I'm going to show up. <laughs> um, but it's also possible that those people didn't really have any nicer clothes. You know, if you're in the middle of the woods trying to trade and hunt and whatever, then you're probably just going to wear whatever's warm and is going to keep you warm, not a pretty gown. <laughs> but they ate venison, bear, porcupine, various birds including duck and geese, and fish, specifically the king of all fish, the sturgeon. That sounds nice. like the best feast we've talked about so far. That does sound pretty good. <laughs> and then shortly after dinner had finished, um, dancing began, which it sounds like continued on late into the morning, early into the morning, I guess. Um, we got to dance off your feast you just finished, I suppose. Yeah. So, like I said, kind of a time there where... There probably wasn't a lot of CrossFit places, you know, at that time, so yeah, no. Well, I'm thinking, you got to do something to burn it off, right? Yeah, but I'm also thinking that, you know, if you're in the Wisconsin wilderness, you're not doing a lot of sitting around. <laughs> <laughs> I think you got to, like, watch out for, you know, I don't know, bears. Rawr. <laughs> so some other kind of just throwaway things that I laughed at is in Madison, they reported that the German Methodist Church ran a three-hour-long Sunday school session on Christmas. Because I'm sure that's what the kids wanted to be doing on Christmas. Well, I bet their parents enjoyed that three hours, though. <laughs> the, like, silence. <laughs> Mina Frances Hoffman Nearling, she is also had, like, a memoir. She had discussed that some of the German traditions her family had had, they lived outside of Jefferson County um, in Wisconsin. And she mentioned they believed in Christkind. So they didn't celebrate Santa, they believed in Christkind, and this is where they believed that, like, Jesus himself came down from heaven, and he was the one leaving children different presents. And she also mentioned that in their house they had a ten-foot-tall tree, so I'm also wondering how tall their ceilings That's were. That's a pretty big house, I would think, at that time. Yeah. Um, and she said at the base of it was a tiny little village that was made of cardboard with glass... With um, grab real moss for grass, and then streets of sand and lake, a lake of glass. Sorry, that was a quote, and I did a bad job of like recording the quote. Try it again. <laughs> Do over. Um. Okay. So at its base was a tiny village made of cardboard, with grass of real moss, streets of sand, and a lake of glass. So, like, they literally picked up little different things and created this realistic scene, which, you know... It's like their own little craft show going on. Yeah. There's also an article written by Lillian Krieger on the social life of Wisconsin, and this was published in the Wisconsin Magazine of History in June 1939, and again was kind of looking at the traditions in the 1800s. And so this this is the one where we have the caroler, who I think is a little bit overeager. <laughs> because you had Edwin Bottomley, who is an English immigrant. And he was talking about some of the traditions that he brought back 
um, to Wisconsin from England, including caroling, which you got to hear some of Dad's caroling at the beginning of the episode. But he lived in Rochester, Wisconsin in 1844, and he and some friends decided to go caroling at two in the morning. Is that when you want to hear caroling, Dad? Mm, no, I'm usually sleeping at two in the morning. Well, you know what? Everyone else in this town sounds like they were also asleep at two in the morning. He was talking about, yeah, we like walked up and all of the lights were off. And I'm like, yeah, because everyone was having like a nice, nice nap or sleep, you know, at two in the morning. I mean, like, I literally read this and went, have you no decency, sir, to let them sleep? <laughs> Anyways, some of the people who were woken up by the caroling actually thought it was some Native Americans trying to drive them out. Because they're like... (laughs) (laughs) That seems like an odd conclusion to jump to at two in the morning, too. Well, um, odd for, like, someone's attacking you by singing. Yeah. Like, you hear songs, like Christmas carols, and you're like, I think someone's trying to harm us. (laughs) Like, maybe you should have... Granted, though... Maybe it was bad singing. You know, not like me. I'm a very good singer, but... Or, also, maybe they thought it was, like, a ruse or something? Although, let's give them some credit. It's two in the morning. Their first conclusion probably isn't with a awake mind. You may have a point there. But... Okay, so I just... I'm I'm looking up where Rochester, Wisconsin is, because not familiar with Rochester, Wisconsin. And you've lived here for I don't know how long, so... It's in Racine County, it looks like. Mm. Uh, just south and a little bit west of Waterford. Okay. So. So there you go. Now you can kind of place some of the places if you're not from Racine. If you're from Racine, you're probably like, I know that. It's like just about 1,200 people living there as of 2000. I'm sure less people than that were living when he went caroling. I would guess. But anyways, so people, once they woke up and realized that they were caroling, uh, invited them inside, which I went, why would you invite them inside? It's two in the morning. You tell them to go back to sleep. But they were invited in to continue singing, and they offered them nice drinks. Probably had some spiced wine or something. Yeah. And then they were asked to return next year, but they would prepare something more for them, because obviously they didn't realize that there was a... Going to be a caroler at two in the morning. <laughs> um, it's also believed so the Christmas tree is brought by German immigrants. I'd mentioned they believe in Christkind, not Santa Claus. Um, Milwaukee also had different balls, concerts, and festivals in the 1850s. Um, so they had an opening ball, an orphans festival, which I'm going, did you just celebrate all of the orphans that lived in? <laughs> <laughs> Again, that seems strange, doesn't it? There was the fireman's Yay concert. Yay for the orphan. <laughs> Maybe they gave him a nice Christmas because <laughs> they didn't have a family. Um, but they had a fireman's concert and an ex- excelsior supper. Some sort of a feast. I don't know. Milwaukee had it all going on. Um, but again, this is all in her article that she had discussed. I mean, that makes sense. Milwaukee's kind of known for their different festivals, although most of them occur during the summer now. Like Polish Fest and German Fest and Irish Fest and Summer Fest. I feel like we may need to find a new word to put at the end. There's a lot of fests. We're, we're festive people. So, 
I also did a little bit of research into the pickle ornament, which I'm sad to report is not an exclusively Wisconsin thing. But, Dad, growing up, did you put pickles on the Christmas tree? The pickle ornament? No. I mean, we you'd never had us put a ornament, but I, I've seen it before where people put pickle ornaments on. No, if, you, if there was a pickle laying around our house, somebody would have ate it. <laughs> I think it's supposed to be an ornament, but okay. Um, but the idea is, because I do know people, because we were at that thrift shop um, that's in De Pere, and she had a giant yeah. pickled ornament. And I think she had a story about that, but I already forgot. But it was like it a came company. Out of, or... It came out of Pickle Factory. Yeah. Yeah, I think maybe in Okano, she said. I'm not sure. But anyways, so the whole pickle ornament thing is uh, you hang a pickle ornament on the Christmas tree before the children come to open up presents. And it's supposed to blend into the tree, so it's hard to find. You know, green against green. And then whichever child finds the ornament first, either gets to open the presents first, gets another president, or not president. Yeah, they get another president. Here, have a Joe Biden. I want an a Obama. president. <laughs> um, but you would get a special present that was set aside for whoever got the pickle ornament. Or you got both. But you didn't get to eat the pickle. It's an ornament, Dad. It's made out of glass. Yeah. I don't think you'd want to eat the ornament. But, so, there's a couple of different stories. Some people said that this comes from Germany with no other background other than it comes from Germany. Because <laughs> that's how stories go sometimes. Another story believed that a Civil War soldier, who was believed to be a German immigrant, was being held prisoner, and he was dying of starvation. And on Christmas Eve, he went to his his... Uh, guard and said, can I please have a pickle? And then the guard went, yes, you can have a pickle. And then that's what saved him from starvation, was a pickle. And then, because of that, we hang an ornament on the tree that's a pickle. (laughs) Um, There's also a story that traces back to St. Nicholas, who is said to have saved two boys who were trapped in a barrel of pickles. And it was believed that these were two Spanish boys that were traveling home for the holidays and they stopped at an inn. An inn with an evil innkeeper. And so he killed the two boys and then stuffed their bodies in the pickle barrel. Which is a travesty on two fronts of like, you killed two people but then you're ruining all the pickles. Because you can't eat a pickle that's been like... (laughs) And, And the barrel had to be mostly empty already, right? I'm hoping. Because otherwise... You would have to take pickles out to get. Well, to at least boys. those pickles weren't tainted by like little boy blood. So, have you ever heard the uh, thing Mark Twain on how to raise a boy? No. I forget. I like how you bring it up, but then you hey, can't. It's. I'm paraphrasing. I don't know the exact thing, but it's something about uh, about that raising a boy until he hits the age of like 13 and then put him in a barrel and feed him through the little hole in the barrel and then when he turns 17 plug the hole <laughs> that's very very optimistic <laughs> you never had to raise a teenage boy all right anyway so saint nicholas came walking by and he just stumbled upon the two boys in the barrel and then somehow magically brought them back to life and you know saved the day 
So that was the other story behind the pickle. Pickle in the Christmas tree. Do you want to know the truth? Yes. Yes, because clearly neither of those are. It's probably are. not going to be as much fun as any of these stories, but yes, let's let's go with the truth. The truth is it likely was made up by a salesman starting in the late 1800s. There was like a store that was trying to sell like German glass ornaments with different foods. So he made up a story about this having like German roots or, you know, something to do with the I'm sure he told multiple stories whatever he felt like in the moment that's, to get someone to that's what we call marketing <laughs> hey but to this day people still hang uh, pickle ornaments in their Christmas tree so it worked we don't know his name but he's famous <laughs> all right and then finally again not exclusive to Wisconsin but I do know a lot of people up here I think celebrate it and down in Milwaukee well, and it's actually really any historically Dutch or German areas. But that is St. Nick's Day or St. Nick's Feast Day, which is celebrated December 6th. And you'd think, I, I always thought that the St. Nick's Day was celebrated in like high Catholic areas, since like Catholics are really the only ones that remember saints. I mean, besides, like, Orthodox, which is kind of like Catholics. But it sounds like it kind of did spin off a little bit. But I just never thought Germans were that Catholic, because they're the ones who were like, Protestant Revolution! <laughs> but I'm not an expert on that. Don't take my word for it. But it is based mostly in the Midwest, because there was multiple stories of people living out on the coasts and being like, St. Nick's Day, and everyone was going, what are you talking about? But it's based on the legend of St. Nick, which already made an appearance in our pickle story. Here's, but There's the quote. Uh, okay, so pausing, because <laughs> Dad wanted to do this. Uh, was it... Which one? Okay, Mark Twain advised that when a child reaches 13 years of age, a parent should place the child in a barrel, nail the lid shut, and feed the teenager through a knot hole. And... When the child turns 16 years old, plug the hole. <laughs> there we go. Dad did a pretty good uh, paraphrasing of that. Back to St. Nick. Thanks for the interruption, Dad. Um, so St. Nick was based on the Bishop of Myra, which is in modern-day Turkey. And so December 6th is supposed to be the day that he died around 345 common era-ish. Um, and there is very little known actually about his life historically, but there are many, many stories and legends told about him. And he had a reputation for his um, great genu genu gen generosity <laughs> and small little miracles that he would perform. And the story goes is that you should leave out your shoe or stocking for St. Nick. And then in the night, he'll come and fill them with treats and candy and chocolates and oranges. Um, more modern iterations include like toys. I think I got some books and socks when my St. Nick would come to visit. But, Dad, did you have any... Actually, so uh, just for the viewers to know, I called my dad old today and he came in demanding an apology because <laughs> I asked him to do this. <laughs> I asked him to come and do this podcast. I went, yeah, and you can tell me what it was like for you old people to celebrate Christmas. 
Well, when when I was a kid, you know, we didn't get a lot of stuff. We were, um, you know, I can remember one time when I was about 10, I got a stick for Christmas, you know. <laughs> would Grandma confirm this story? Or would she say you're a lying liar, pants on fire? Well, you'll have to ask your grandma. All right. I'll get back to you guys next episode on whether or not Dad is lying. But, well, okay, isn't because I remember we went to go visit the Neville Museum here in Green Bay, and there was like a talking tree or something. Was there like Bruce the Spruce or... He was at one of the department stores when I was a kid. Actually, the, when I was young, the, all of the big department stores and stuff were in downtown Green Bay. There weren't any malls or anything like that, and they would decorate their storefronts, the big glass windows, and it was kind of a neat thing where we'd all go down and walk around downtown and look at the decorations and yeah all the department stores kind of did a lot of decorating at that time in in the stores yeah now we have people who decorate their houses and then you drive around and look at all the houses and the different christmas tree lights but yeah anything you think we missed there's krampus but i felt like krampus has kind of become more popular lately of the evil version of Saint Nick. Yeah. Come and steal your children if they're being naughty. So what was your favorite Christmas story? Out of all of these? No. Personally. Well, don't put me on the spot, man. I don't know. I mean, Charlie Brown Christmas is always a good one. <laughs> I always like to, you know, wait to see what was on, like, ABC. Although the Grinch that stole Christmas, the original, like the Dr. Seuss, like animated, is also a good one. What about you? Uh, I like the Grinch. That's a good story. Yeah. Especially because my dad's a Grinch. (laughs) (laughs) Just so everyone knows, I do love my dad very, very much. (laughs) One year, I'll tell you, I'll tell you my favorite Christmas story, though, is when my kids were in elementary school and they had a thing that they could go shopping at the school that was set up and and so they were in i don't know second grade and, and fourth grade or something like that and then they did their christmas shopping and then christmas morning we were opening our gifts and my son gave me a mug that said world's greatest dad and when i opened it the look on my daughter's face (laughs) because she bought the exact same thing (laughs) was fantastic. I was very upset. So so I had two world's greatest dad mugs. Best Christmas ever. That was great in concept, but you might have wanted to have the kids shop together to prevent that. But those were all like, that was like all of it was like different, like best dad. Like, I think we got you a baseball one year, even though you don't like baseball. Like, <laughs> it's really the kids are just walking around pointing, going, I want that one. But, all right. Well, hope everyone has a very Merry Christmas. I'll have to put out a post so you can go and check out the other Christmas episode that we did last year. But you can always keep in touch with us. Maybe send us your favorite Christmas story. You know, either on Facebook, Instagram, Gmail. 
Um, you can find us on Badgerland Journal on Facebook or Badgerland Journal on Instagram or Badgerland Journal at gmail.com. And just let us know what your favorite Christmas story was. One that maybe one we told or, you know, just a favorite Christmas memory that you have. That's a nice beeping in the background. Our pot pie is done. <laughs> All right. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas, everyone. We have to go eat pot pie now. Yep.